Amen. Can you sing because of that? Praise the Lord. He, we're going to one day be able to sing around the throne with the angels. Can you even imagine that? Praising and worshiping and serving our Lord. What an amazing thing that was. Uh, ladies, thank y'all so much this morning. Sounded like angels singing up here, didn't it? Just wonderful time. Good to, to see Miranda up here singing with them. I know that was a step out for her. We appreciate that. Beautiful adding into our worship and leading there. As we go to the Lord this morning and look at his word, you know, there's, I've entitled this, the message, the handing off of the baton. You know, there's a bunch of different kinds of races out there. Have you ever raced? I remember one time when I was growing up, I was in RAs. Some of you might remember that in the group they had for boys, teaching them about missions. And one of the things in RAs was racing and foot racing. And I went and traveled around with our local group from Summer Grove. And one time we went down to Alexandria for a race. And I remember I was set up to do this little short race. I wasn't all conditioned for that long stuff, and they didn't have me down. They had the whole slot of that race filled. I wanted to do something, so they did have the, I think it was the 100-yard dash. If I remember right, is that the one that goes all the way around the track? I don't know if it's 100 yards or, it was a long ways. So they were able to put me in this one, and I waited my turn, and they lined me up. I remember when that race started off, I had to go all the way around. I was like, Mama, I can't do it. My mom was there. She said, son, just push through. She said, you don't have to come in first. All you need to do is just finish the race. So I had my bubble gum in my mouth, and they shot the starter pistol off, and I took off. Let me tell you what. I don't guess they were prepared for the sixth person in this race because in my lane, I had tires I had to jump over. I forget what else was out there. I'm like, and this is an obstacle course. But you know, I come in last. But I enjoyed myself. I was chewing my gum and I made it all the way around. And I finished the race. There's those dashes that are short ones. There's those long ones. There's ones, uh, some people do the marathon. I guess they're just asking for trouble. I mean, can you imagine running five miles, six miles at a time, 13 miles? I mean, these different marathon races. And then there's the relay race. So one I want us to focus on this morning. You're familiar with a relay race. It has four people in the relay race, and they have a baton. The first one gets in position when the pistol goes off. They start running, and they're running, and they have to hold on to that baton. And as they're running, they get through their portion, a fourth of the race. There's another runner. He begins running and they passes off. The, the one in first with the baton hands it. The one in front reaches back. He grabs it and he takes off running. And this then goes to the third person and to the fourth person in the race. And get this, I didn't know this, but do you know that the last one, the fourth one in the baton relay race is known as the anchor or the anchor leg. Let me read this description to you. It says, the anchor leg is the final position in a relay race. Typically, the anchor leg of a relay is given to the fastest or most experienced competitor on a team. The athlete completing the anchor leg of a relay is responsible for making up ground on the race leader or preserving the lead already secured by their teammates. So that last one, 
that anchor of the relay race is a very key person in the race. It's the one that's going to hold on to that baton and see if they lose the baton, they're out. You got to keep a hold of the baton. You got to keep the momentum going. And you either hold where you are or you make up some ground. This morning, if you would, take your Bibles with me and open to the gospel according to John chapter 20. And go ahead and bring your finger over to verse 19. Because what I want us to look at today is this handing off of the baton. But more than just that, I want us to understand, church, where we are in this relay race. Remember what I told you about the relay race? There's four people. There's the leader. Then you have the other two, and then you come in with that leg, that vital person to pull it through to the end for a victory. This just came to me up. Throw me out if you want to if it's not fully scriptural, but I believe it's got some merit to it. Church, today, each of us sitting in here, we're the anchor. We're the anchor leg. What do I mean? This mission of God. The first was the Old Testament prophets. They came foretelling what God was going to do. God, through his word, gave them description. They're in this race announcing about Jesus was going to be coming. And then we have the second one in this relay race. We have John the Baptist. He was the forerunner to Jesus Christ. He was the one, you know, he never said he was Messiah. He always said, I'm coming in advance. There's one, what, following after me who is greater than I The third in this relay race is Jesus Christ. He was sent here on a mission by his father. And as we're going to look at today, he handed off the baton to the anchor. That's us, the believers. Because if we don't share the message, church, there's no one else coming behind us to share the message. There will be no victory if we, as the anchor leg of this race of life does not fulfill our portion. If you would stand with me and let's look at this scenario. Uh, Following up, we're beginning a series today over about the next four or five weeks that I have entitled um, Leading Up to Pentecost, The Journey to Pentecost. Jesus, at this point that we're fixing to read, has been crucified on the cross He's gone into the tomb and he's resurrected out. And as you're going to see in a moment, this happens the same day that Jesus Christ resurrected from the grave. Let's look, verse 19. So while it was evening on the day, the first day of the week, and while the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Verse 20, and when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. 
And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Father God, today, Father, how grateful I am for your word. Father, the news that you share with us, the the testimony of who you are and who we are. Father, the beautiful words. Father, would you just open our eyes this morning, Lord, that we can behold wonderful things from your word? Father, I pray that you would soften our hearts to hear from Holy Spirit. And Lord, you would open our ears that we may hear from you this morning. Father, I'm just a vessel, Lord, created by you, called by you, sent by you. Use me this morning. Help me and my flesh to step aside. And Father, would you just speak through me to your people. Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, in that race, that running, that baton race that we have, each person in that race has a job or a mission to do. The first one is to get that baton and to get as far out in front as they can, running with that baton. And then the next one comes along, the next one, then that fourth one to get it and come along. You see, the prophets of old, they did their mission. God called them to speak his message to the people, and we call the people of the Old Testament, to proclaim who he was, that he was coming, what he was going to do. And then there come a time of silence. We call that the period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There was a number of hundreds of years of silence. And then it broke out with Jesus being born and the angels here. But John the Baptist, he had a mission. His mission was to set the stage for Christ to come. For Christ to be herald, for Christ to be lifted up. And then on that day, as we're going to see in a moment, when Jesus came and he was baptized, that baton was handed off to him. And Jesus was running his leg, his portion of this mission to come and to be our sacrifice. God said, there's only one way to me, and that's through Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and his resurrection. Jesus had to come and do his portion. No one else could have run that third leg of the race than Jesus Christ. We could have been good people. We could have done all we wanted. They could have nailed us to the cross. It would have meant zero. But Jesus ran his. He died on that cross. They buried him. He defeated death when he rose out of that. He paid our price. His portion of the mission was done. And then he handed it off to the disciples. He handed it off to the church, those who would believe and those who would follow him. You know, there's no one else besides a believer in Jesus Christ today that can run this fourth leg of the race. Let me tell you, there's no one else who will. Unfortunately, there's many who don't want to run it, who should be running it. Kind of like me, if you ask me to get out there and run the race today, I don't, I don't want to run no race. I'm not ready for it. But yet, as believers, we're ready 
for the baton that has been handed to us. So what I want us to look at, first of all, is the handoff of the mission. The mission that God has sent to save people. There's a handoff of that. Look there in your uh, John chapter 20 there, verse 21. So Jesus said to them, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I send you. I want you to notice as we go throughout this, everything that Jesus came to do, he handed off to us to do. God sent Jesus to save the world. And now Jesus is handing the mission off to us. As we look at that, the first thing we see is that God sent, he said, as the Father has sent me, God sent Jesus into the world. Let me just pause there and kind of bring us up those first couple of verses that I I talked about. I want us to look at there. This is on the day that Jesus rose out of the grave. His disciples are gathered. What does it tell us there in verse 19? That while the doors were shut, they were scared in their boots. I mean, here it is. The one they've been following was so hated That his own people crucified him. And now here they are followers. They're scared to death that they're going to be next. He's coming after me. They're cowards. They're hiding in a closed door. But what does it tell us there? That while the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in their midst. I don't know about you but if there was fear. There's definitely fear then. Amen. The door is closed, people. It's locked. They're barricaded in, and all of a sudden, Jesus just appears before them. So the reason he has to tell them the first time, peace be with you. You know, that's good news to us. Because, you know, I, I find it funny. Funny is probably not the best word. All around us, we see these descriptions. You know what Satan's number one attack on us is maybe not the first one but listen to this what he wants you to know is you're alone there's no one else like you can you believe you're the only one like that and there's no one to help you the deception You know, I was just thinking about that and reading it, and we happened to turn on the TV the other day, and there was one of those Star Wars on. I think it was Star Wars 9. And you begin to get a whole picture of what the Star Wars was. You had Darth Vader or the dark side, the Sith, I think it was called. Sounds a lot like Snake to me. The Sith represented the evil In the world, and then you had the other side that represented the good side. But do you know what they said? The main evil guy was quoted saying, and another one said, What he wants you to think, the way you will be defeated, is you think you're the only one. I was like, and they're telling the gospel within the story, whether they're intending to or not. But the good news is even though we might be by ourselves, there's nothing that can keep Jesus Christ away from us. Amen. Not a door, not a jail bar, not sin. There is nothing that can separate us. Here they were and Jesus just appeared to them. 
And even though he's standing right there in their midst, they still didn't get it. And he told them to peace be with them. He showed them proof. Look at my hands. Look at my my side. I'm sure his feet were already exposed. But he said, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Let's turn over to John chapter 13 real quick. We're going to look at several different verses in John. But you see, God sent Jesus into the world to save the world. Look at John 13 and verse 34. Because see, Jesus came loving to save the world. 34. It says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Jesus came to love people. He came to save the world. Let me just read to you. You can just turn over there. John twelve forty seven. Jesus is speaking, and if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Jesus had a specific part in the mission of God. And that was to what? Save the world. His mission, his portion of the race was to go to that cross. To come and to be like us, live a perfect life, be crucified on that cross so that he could give his life for our life. He could shed his blood. He could pay our price to reunite us, to bring us back alive in our spirit with Christ. And then to go into that grave and then to come out on the third day victorious over death to defeat death. He saved us and he gives us eternal life. And then he says here in our verses that we're looking at over in John 20, he says, The Father has sent me, so I sent you. Jesus come to the end of his mission when he came out of that cross. When he came out of the grave, excuse me. He's done what God said. What did he say on the cross? It is finished. Now Jesus came and bore witness to his resurrection But we don't see him walking around doing a whole bunch of more miracles at this point. The day he arose, he came in, he appeared to the disciples, and he said, The Father sent me. I've done what I've got to do. And he's handing off the baton, and he says, Now I send you. You see, his portion's done, ours is just beginning. The church is just forming. You finish up and move into Acts. And we begin to see how all of that works. What is he saying that now I send you? You see, Jesus sends us into the world. We are to love. Let me just read you again from that John 13. It says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Even as I had loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love... For one another. You see, Jesus was sent to save the world through love and then to die on that cross. You see, we're sent. Jesus says, Here's a new commandment for you love as I have loved. You need to love others, and guess what? When you love the way that I love, people are going to know 
that you belong to me. Because let me tell you, the love that we have through Jesus Christ is different than this little pansy, puppy, sappy love that this world has turned that world into. Yes, it's sweet when love first forms. And and there is uh, all kinds of side to it. But true love is an unconditional love. You see, God chose to love each and every one of you. He chose to love me. We must choose to love people. What does that mean? Even the ones that we don't like. We're still to love them. Can you imagine if Jesus didn't love everyone? If those who didn't love him, he didn't love? He wouldn't have went on that cross. They might have got him to the cross, but he'd call those angels, take him right off. Because, I mean, I tell you, I ain't too loving the ones driving nails in my hand. I don't know about you. But he loved all. I know I've said it many times before. I love that depiction of the scene that we watched years ago from that Easter movie where when they brought Jesus and that cross was on the ground, I'm sure those others, two thieves they hung, were fighting as they nailed. But Jesus willingly crawled himself onto that cross. We need to love unconditionally. Also that we're to be on mission sharing Jesus there at verse 21. So Jesus said to them, Peace be with you as the Father sent me, I send you. We're on mission now. I can't save anyone. You can't save anyone. But we can love people and show them who the Father is. Amen. We can tell people about the good news. Is salvation good news to you? Is salvation good news to you? Are you glad you're saved? Amen. Do we talk about the things we like or do we keep them hidden? The things we don't like, the things we're ashamed of, we hide, we don't talk about. The greatest thing that ever happened in our life was salvation. Why are we silent? i tell you why we're silent. Because we're scared. And in the flesh we're weak. And we listen to that one that says you're all by yourself. Well, you know, that's why I'm glad in Scripture Jesus didn't leave it with my Father sent me, I send you. That's not where he stopped. He handed off the baton there. But what happened next? Look at verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. The second thing Jesus did when he handed off the baton, he did the enabling of the mission. He enabled us to be able to do what he's called us to do. You see, even Jesus needed enabling. Now follow me all the way through this. Jesus was all what? All God. Amen. Yes, he was. But he was all man too. But we see at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry in John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 32. And John bore witness saying, I have beheld the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven and he abided on him. He rested on him. He remained on him. When Jesus went, 
To John the Baptist, the forerunner, the one that's running with the baton, and he walked into the water. John the Baptist had been talking about one coming. He saw Jesus coming, and what does the Bible tell us? He said, there is the one that I've been talking about. One I'm not even worthy to untie a sandal. Jesus walked in and said, baptize me. John the Baptist baptized Jesus Christ. He didn't need baptism. It was a symbol. And when he come up out of that water, the heavens opened up and they saw what appeared to be a dove, the Holy Spirit coming down out of heaven, rested on Jesus, remained with Jesus. That third part of the Trinity, Jesus got out of the water. He walked out into the wilderness to begin his ministry, to begin to become tempted in all ways, Scripture tells us. So at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the baton has been handed off when the Holy Spirit come down. John the Baptist said, here's the one. He's now got the Holy Spirit upon him, and he is now taking the baton and beginning his mission. You know, we have four Gospels. Fill you in, in case you don't know. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some of the Gospels have... Some of the stories, some of them have all of the narratives of Scripture. But what's amazing is if you look at the very beginning of every gospel, in the first first through third chapter, somewhere at the very beginning of every single gospel, it tells you that the heavens opened up and the dove descended down. At the beginning of every gospel, we get the beginning of Jesus's ministry. At the beginning of Jesus's ministry, he had the Holy Spirit come upon him. See, Jesus received that Holy Spirit at the beginning of his ministry. And we receive the Holy Spirit at the beginning of our ministry. Church, we cannot be on mission without the Holy Spirit. We can't be on mission without the Holy Spirit, and we can't be on mission without being a born-again believer, as we say in church words, as one who is called out of faith, acknowledging that they're a sinner and that they need saving and that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin lived a perfect life, died on that cross, went into the tomb dead and come out and is coming again. We call on him in belief of who he is and in belief that what he did was enough. Nothing else is done. Nothing on our part. It's nothing we can do. But you see, the moment we do that, at that very moment, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. A permanent one, a a helper. Jesus said that he was going to send the Spirit. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The baptism, some call it of the Spirit, that doesn't happen when you're in the baptistry. It's already happened. The baptism of the Holy Spirit happens instantaneous. Why is that? Because the devil wants you to think you're the only one and how weak you are. I can defeat you. 
So the moment we go on mission, the moment we receive Christ, we are on mission for Christ and we're not alone. I want you to hear that again. I don't know where you're at in your walk of life. You are not alone. There's nothing you can do to separate yourself from Jesus Christ. There's nowhere you can go and hide from him. Don't think if you get in the car and nobody's looking and you go somewhere that you ain't supposed to, he's still there. Let me tell you, I want you to think about that. This is a side note. This wasn't part of my message. Wherever you go, you take God with you. If it's somewhere you'd be ashamed to go and do you really want to take God with you? You want that on you? Now we'll get back to the message. It doesn't matter. Because Holy Spirit is with you. He comes to give us power. The one thing that I cannot wrap my mind around fully is the moment I received Christ, Holy Spirit came upon me and I have the power of Holy Spirit within me. I'll be honest, I don't know how to harness it and use it the way I should, but we have the power. Because God knew I'm now handing you the baton, you're on mission and you've got to keep the race going because if you don't, No one else will. You're the anchor leg. There's no one coming behind you to finish this up, church. If we're a believer, we're on mission. We're on the mission for God. And third, with this handing off of the battalion, of the baton is the pronouncement of the mission. The pronouncement of the mission. Let me just read to you because you see, Jesus came. This is what the mission was. Jesus came proclaiming the forgiveness of sin. Let me just read to you out of Luke. Luke 6 verse 32. It says, And if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. You see, Jesus came to forgive sin. This is his mission. Okay, you see how we're going to what Jesus was sent in the race to do. We've got our portion. Jesus was coming to forgive sinners. And lastly, you see, we're to proclaim that there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Look back there in John 20, verse 23. It says, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Let me just tell you, I don't have time to go in today. Lot, lot of discussion on this verse. About every commentary you pick up is going to have quite a bit to say. If you forgive the sins of any, can you forgive anybody's sin? Can I forgive anybody of their sin? No. What Jesus just said, if you forgive any of their sin, we've got to look at what he's talking about. But he's talking about the pronouncement of forgiveness. What is our responsibility in this race but to be telling people how they can receive forgiveness of sin. 
There's one way and there's one way only and that's through Jesus Christ. It says here, if you forgive the sin of any and their sin, their sins have been forgiven them. We proclaim it in such a way that they want it and that they receive it. And guess what? When they receive what Jesus Christ did, then their sins are forgiven. I hate to pop your bubble if you read ahead and you thought I was fixing to tell you you had the power to forgive anybody their sin. Because we don't. Don't take it that way. They would have understood when this was written about this proclamation. They knew that they couldn't forgive sin. None of us are good enough for that. But we have a responsibility in this race. The baton has been handed off to us. And we've got to be proclaiming and living in such a way that they can see that. And it says if they retain the sins of any of them, they've been retained. You see, when someone hears the gospel and we share with them that there is forgiveness of sin and Holy Spirit convicts him, he's the only one that does the work. That's why Holy Spirit comes in us. He comes out when we speak, so to speak. It's his power. It's his calling. And once they hear that message and they reject it, it's on them. You see, if you retain the sins, we need to let them know that. There's no other way than through that. Let me read to you out of Acts, if you want to turn with me. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, verse 38. Here's what it's talking about. Here's what was given to the church. Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers, that through him, that would be Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And that in him, everyone who believes is justified from all things which you could not be justified through the law of Moses. Therefore, watch out so that the thing spoken of in the prophets may not come upon you. Look, you scoffers, and marvel and perish, for I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you will never believe, though someone should recount it to you. There it is. We need to proclaim the forgiveness of sin. We're justified. It's not through the law anymore. It was the old covenant. The new covenant is through none other than Jesus Christ. And it says there, That in him, everyone who believes is justified from all things. And it says, watch out that the things spoken may not come upon you. You see, that's the pronouncement. It's not what we're doing, but we're running the last leg of this race. The baton has been handed off. And it's been handed off to you as a believer. It's our responsibility to take it and to run. When we accept Christ, we're automatically put into mission. You see, just as Jesus was sent, he says, so are we sent. It's not for us to forgive, but it's to us to pronounce it. Church, as we look at the Annie Armstrong this week, and we're praying through that, It's about mission. It's about sharing the gospel. And I'm here to tell you, you're not alone. There's one that goes with you. 
whether you were ready or not, the moment you said, I do, the baton was handed to you. And remember what I told you, we're the anchor. We're the last leg. I beg you, don't drop the baton. Hold on to it. And remember, you're the anchor. Run with all your might. May we run. May we run and hold tight. Because when we get to the victory line, praise the Lord, we're going to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Just as when I was running my race and I got to the end wanting to collapse, mother was there with her arms open wide. Well done. You finished. We're going to stumble along the way. I almost stumbled in my race. Get up. But don't ever lose hold of that baton. Here's our baton. We're on mission. Don't ever lose hold of it. And share it with everyone that you can. Because it is the good news. But as I said one time, long time ago, it's only good news if it gets there in time. We are in a race. We're in a race against time. We're in a race against the devil. Grabbing hold of. As Spurgeon would say, I think it was... That anyone goes to hell, may they go to hell crawling over our bodies because we're trying to keep them. Share. May you bow your heads. Father God, I thank you so much for your love. Father, I thank you that you come. Father, it's scary that we're the anchor leg. Father, you've handed the baton off. You've set the example. You've set the course. And you've used people throughout all of history. Lord, we're now the history in the making. Father God, help us to run with endurance the race set before us. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son Jesus. Amen.